Welcome to On Fire. This is episode one of the On Fire podcast. My name is Ryan Allen. Let's talk quickly about the name of this podcast. The fire that we're talking about is not a dumpster fire or a destructive fire, uh, but I want to talk about the fire that we see in the scriptures. There's a lot of fire mentioned in the scriptures that is not good fire. Uh, that would be fire that you uh, would want to avoid. But there's another type of fire uh, that's the opposite. That's something we would want to have around us. Let me mention just a few scriptures in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 in the New Testament. It says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. That was on the day of Pentecost. Okay, cloven tongues of fire. I picture like little... Uh, little blue, little blue, little licks of fire, tongues of fire. <laughs> okay, and uh, Revelation 15, verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. Now, that's the celestial kingdom. And it has fire. We uh, kind of think of a place with fire being the bad place. But here's John describing the celestial kingdom as a place with fire. Okay, Helaman 5, in the Book of Mormon. Helaman 5, verse 23. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi were encircled about as if by fire, even insomuch that they durst not lay their hands upon them. That means their captors, their jailers, is who didn't want to lay their hands upon them. For fear lest they should be burned. Nevertheless, Nephi and Lehi were not burned, and they were as standing in the midst of fire and were not burned. Okay, 3 Nephi 12, verse 1. This is Jesus Christ talking to the Nephites. He says, after that ye are baptized with water, behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Again, in 3 Nephi chapter 17, verse 24, this is one of my favorite parts of the Book of Mormon. Jesus has appeared to the Nephite people after he is resurrected, and he's gathered all of their little children around him, and the people record this. And as they looked to behold, they cast their eyes towards heaven, and they saw the heavens open. And they saw angels descending out of heaven, as it were, in the midst of fire. And they came down and encircled those little ones round about. And they were encircled about with fire, and the angels did minister unto them. This doesn't sound to me like a fire that is, is scary, but a heavenly, holy fire. Isaiah 4, verse 5, And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. So in a, a future day, above every dwelling place of Mount Zion, a cloud and smoke by day, and a shining of a flaming fire by night. That's the sign of the Lord's presence upon his people in Zion. Okay, the prophet Joseph Smith said this about our Heavenly Father. God Almighty himself dwells in eternal fire, Flesh and blood cannot go there, for all corruption is devoured by the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. All men who are immortal dwell in everlasting burnings. Okay, so this fire is good fire. One more example here. This is a statement from a man named Zebedee Coltrane, who was part of the School of the Prophets in Kirtland, Ohio, in the early days of the church. And, and as these brethren were with the prophet Joseph Smith, this was recorded. Zebedee Coltrane said this, At one of these meetings, after the organization of the school, I mean the school of the prophets, 
When we were all together, Joseph, having given instructions, and while engaged in silent prayer, kneeling with our hands uplifted, each one praying in silence, no one whispered above his breath, a personage walked through the room from east to west, and Joseph asked if we saw him. I saw him, and supposed the others did, and Joseph answered, That is Jesus, the Son of God, our elder brother. Afterward, Joseph told us to resume our former position in prayer, which we did. Another person came through. He was surrounded as with a flame of fire. I experienced a sensation that it might destroy the tabernacle as it was of consuming fire of great brightness. The prophet Joseph said, This was the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I saw him. According to Zebedee Coltrane's account, Heavenly Father was surrounded as with a flame of fire. In another account, he describes seeing the different parts of his body, but he can't tell what he's wearing because he is surrounded by flames, by fire. And I think this is basically a description of the glory of God, that, that type of fire. So anyway, I hope that as, as you listen to this message with me, that you will catch fire, the fire of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ the fire that like we've been reviewing here in these these scriptures that's that's the name of this podcast uh, so my name is Ryan Allen like I mentioned I'm not any, anyone special I'm the father of four children three teenagers and a little one and uh, I love the youth of of our day the youth of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints ever since I returned from my mission to uh, Wisconsin back in 1999, almost all the callings I've had in the church have been with with the young men. And then and then I got to continue to work with all of the youth as a counselor in the bishopric. And then for the last five years, I've been serving as the bishop of my ward and, and thrilled to, be, to have worked with the youth and to be able to continue working with the youth. So I'm hoping that this message will reach the youth and young adults of, of the church or, or friends of, of the church who are interested in the gospel. When I was a young child, I watched Star Wars and it was it was new. I'm fairly old, so I'm not as old as the original Star Wars as as what we call a new hope. That was it's referred to now as episode 4. When I was little, it was just Star Wars. That's how it came out in the in the theater. And I may have been in the womb when Star Wars came out in theaters, but it didn't take me very long to to find it and to see it and become a huge fan. So this is probably not the only time I'm going to refer to Star Wars in this podcast series. Okay, anyway, so if you've never seen the original Star Wars trilogy, well, what are you doing with your life, honestly? In Star Wars, we were introduced to Luke Skywalker as a youth. Okay, we didn't know anything about him aside from the, the moisture farm he lived on with his aunt and uncle. Um, we didn't know... That, and I'm sorry, there's some. Uh, this is kind of a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the Star Wars movies. A few spoilers here. But back in, in the early 80s is when I saw Star Wars. We didn't know that Luke's father was the chosen one, was Anakin. I mean, his name is mentioned, but we don't know anything about him. We don't know that his mother was a queen. Uh, we didn't know that he would destroy the Sith and become the greatest Jedi of all time. Now there are nine episodes. So episodes one through three were made years later and are, are called the prequel trilogy. If you begin watching Star Wars, the, the, the Skywalker saga from episode one, 
by the time you get to episode four, you know Luke's significance and potential based on what you know about his parents that are the characters in the sequel trilogy. You know how much is expected of him, of, of Luke, by Obi-Wan and Yoda. I like to pretend that the Disney sequel trilogy doesn't exist and, and maintain Luke as the hero I imagined he was after Return of the Jedi. So anyway, the reason I mentioned this is because I want, I want to talk about you and who you are. And so that's why I mentioned Luke. When I first saw Star Wars, it was, it was all new and we were learning about who Luke was. Let me, let me share this as well. So I, I had a dream a few weeks ago and it was kind of a terrifying dream. Um, let me describe it for you a little bit. I was backstage somewhere. I don't know where was a member of the cast of a play and I was basically just hanging out backstage and was chatting and joking around with the cast and crew while the other actors were on, on stage. And that kind of went on for a little bit. And then suddenly someone grabbed me by the sleeve and started pulling me toward the stage. I was supposed to be on stage. My character was in the scene and the play had stalled because I had missed my cue. I wasn't there. And the actors on stage were just standing there waiting for me. So... (laughs) my heart started just beating like crazy. Uh, I hadn't memorized any dialogue, not a single line. I didn't, I didn't even know what the plot was or what the play was. And so I'm just in a, in a panic and scrambling to find a script. I can at least take that out with me on stage and try and read from it. Nobody had one. And anyway, this just intense panic is going on. And lucky for me, it was about that time that my little dog Pixie woke me up to let her outside. She asked to she has to pee like three times a night. She, I guess she's got some kind of stone in her bladder and she's about to have surgery. Anyway, she makes this little noise. She just goes, Aww. and that always wakes me up, lets me know that she needs to go outside. So I'm usually super annoyed by that. But in this case, I was relieved to be able to wake up from this dream that was so intense and, and realize that it had only been a dream. The reason I mentioned that is uh, it, it reminded me of something that President Boyd K. Packer talked about, this was back in May 1995, a talk that he gave called The Plan and the Play. And he said this, The plan of redemption with its three divisions might be likened to a grand three-act play. Act one is entitled Premortal Life. The scriptures describe it as our first estate. Act two, from birth to the time of resurrection, the second estate. And act three, life after death or eternal life. In mortality, we are like one who enters a theater just as the curtain goes up on the second act. We have missed act one. The production has many plots and subplots that interweave, making it difficult to figure out who relates to whom and what relates to what, who are the heroes and who are the villains. It is further complicated because you are not just a spectator, you are a member of the cast on stage in the middle of it all. As part of the eternal plan, the memory of our pre-mortal life, Act 1, is covered with a veil. Since you enter mortality at the beginning of Act 2 with no recollection of Act 1, it is little wonder that it is difficult to understand what is going on. That loss of memory gives us a clean start. It is ideal for the tests. It secures our individual agency and leaves us free to make choices. Many of them must be made on faith alone. Even so, we carry with us some whispered knowledge of our pre-mortal life and our status as offspring of immortal parents. So President Packer tells us that if we're looking at 
our existence as a three-act play. We're in act two, and we don't remember act one. So in a lot of ways, we don't really know who we are, or at least who we have been. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about who I am. Who, who am I? And I'm going to go to the words of a prophet to, to answer that question. So this is a little bit before my time, so I'm, I'm stretching a little bit. But in October of 1977, then elder Ezra Taft Benson said this to, to the youth of the church. We have great confidence in you. You are not just ordinary young men and young women. You are choice spirits. Many of you having been held back in reserve for almost 6,000 years to come forth in this day at this time when the temptations, responsibilities, and opportunities are the very greatest. And then about three and a half years later, he said this, that's similar. I want you to know that it is a great honor to be with you and feel of your spirit. You young men and women are choice spirits. You were reserved for this special time. You have a unique task to accomplish in this world, and our prayers are constantly with you that you will live up to the expectations the Lord has for you. We love you. We have confidence in you. We pray for you. The people of every generation, I suppose, see the time in which they live as being exceptional. The truth of the matter is that you do live in a most exceptional time in the history of the world. You young people will see events transpire which were promised from the beginning of the world. Prophets of old have seen your days and rejoiced in them. And yet you will face challenges and circumstances, the severity of which has been unparalleled in generations past. For this you must be prepared. All right, so that is basically my generation. Maybe it's the generation of your parents. Okay, so let's talk about who are you. Wait a minute. Who are you? Thank you, creepy kazoo commercial kid. Yeah, but that's, that is the question. Who are you? So President Russell M. Nelson gave a talk. It was a, a devotional for young adults in January of 2016. I loved this talk that he gave. It's called Becoming True Millennials. This was for young adults. I think it applies to youth as well. He's really just talking to the younger generation of the church. All right. This was a fantastic talk. Let me just give you some excerpts of it that talk about you and who you are. Okay, President Nelson says this, When I pray about you and ask the Lord how he feels about you, I feel something far different from what the researchers say. Spiritual impressions I've received about you lead me to believe that the term millennial may actually be perfect for you, but for a much different reason than the experts may ever understand. He's referring to experts because millennial is, is basically what these experts have, have named a generation of people that a lot of the young adults would fall into. Uh, and so that's, that's where he's coming from there. I'm going to go on with his quote. The term millennial is perfect for you if that term reminds you of who you really are and what your purpose in life really is. A true millennial is one who was taught and did teach the gospel of Jesus Christ pre-mortally and who made covenants with our Heavenly Father there about courageous things, even morally courageous things that you would do while here on earth. A true millennial is a man or woman whom God trusted enough to send to earth during the most compelling dispensation in the history of this world. A true millennial is a man or woman who lives now to help prepare the people of this world for the second coming of Jesus Christ and his millennial reign. Make no mistake about it, you were born to be a true millennial. I love that. I, I hope you understand his reference. He's talking about if you're being a true millennial, you're you're preparing the world for the millennium 
which is a thousand year period of peace after Jesus Christ comes or returns for his second coming that ushers in what's what the scriptures refer to as the millennium. So being a true millennial has reference to that. Okay, going on with uh, President Nelson's message, he says this, the question is, how can you stand and live as a true millennial? I have four recommendations. My first recommendation, learn who you really are. Take time to think prayerfully about these facts. You are an elect son or daughter of God. You are created in his image. You were taught in the spirit world to prepare you for anything and everything you would encounter during this latter part of these latter days. That teaching endures within you. You are living in the 11th hour. The Lord has declared that this is the last time that he will call laborers into his vineyard to gather the elect from the four quarters of the earth. And you were sent to participate in this gathering. Again and again, I have seen firsthand the powerful influence of true millennials as they bring others to a knowledge of the truth. This is part of your identity and your purpose as the seed of Abraham. Ask your heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ how he feels about you and your mission here on earth. If you ask with real intent, over time the Spirit will whisper the life-changing truth to you. Record those impressions and review them often and follow through with exactness. I promise you that when you begin to catch even a glimpse of how your Heavenly Father sees you and what He is counting on you to do for Him, your life will never be the same. I love that. That's awesome. He is really is really aware of who you are, who uh, the Lord has sent to the earth in this generation. Um, and I invite you to take these different invitations seriously and take them to heart and do them. So that first one was learn who you really are. Okay, continuing with his words. My second recommendation, expect and prepare to accomplish the impossible. God has always asked his covenant children to do difficult things. Because you are covenant-keeping sons and daughters of God, living in the latter part of these latter days, the Lord will ask you to do difficult things. You can count on it. Abrahamic tests did not stop with Abraham. How will you accomplish the impossible? By doing whatever it takes to strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ, by increasing your understanding of the doctrine taught in his restored church, and by relentlessly seeking truth. As a true millennial, anchored in pure doctrine, when you are asked to do impossible things, you will be able to step forward with faith and dogged persistence and cheerfully do all that lies in your power to fulfill the purposes of the Lord. You will have days when you will be thoroughly discouraged. So pray for courage not to give up. You will need that strength because it will become less and less popular to be a Latter-day Saint. Sadly, some whom you thought were your friends will betray you, and some things will seem unfair. However, I promise you that as you follow Jesus Christ, you will find sustained peace and true joy. As you keep your covenants with increasing precision, and as you defend the church and kingdom of God on the earth today, the Lord will bless you with strength and wisdom to accomplish the impossible. I think it's really cool how he sees that there will be seemingly impossible tasks that will be asked of you uh, and that the Lord will stretch you to your limits. I mean, mentioning Abrahamic tests can sound kind of daunting, but the Lord has prepared you to face those things. And that's a great vote of confidence from a prophet of, of God to you. All right, continuing President Nelson here. My third recommendation, learn how to access the power of heaven. Every one of us has questions. Seeking to learn, understand, and recognize truth is a vital part of our mortal experience. 
Much of my life has been spent in research. You too will learn best by asking inspired questions. At this very moment, some of you are struggling to know what you should be doing with your life. Others of you may wonder if you have been forgiven of your sins. Most of you are wondering who and where your eternal companion is, and those who aren't should be. This is young adults. <laughs> some may question why the church does, does some of the things it does. Perhaps many of you are not sure how to get answers to your prayers. Our Heavenly Father and His Son stand ready to respond to your questions through the ministering of the Holy Ghost. But it is up to you to learn how to qualify for and receive those answers. Where can you start? Begin by spending more time in holy places. The temple is a holy place. So is the chapel where you make new sacramental covenants each Sunday. I invite you also to make your apartment, your dorm, your home, or your room a holy place where you can safely retreat from the dark distractions of the world. Prayer is a key. Pray to know what to stop doing and what to start doing. Pray to know what to add to your environment and what to remove so the Spirit can be with you in abundance. Plead with the Lord for the gift of discernment, then live and work to be worthy to receive that gift so that when confusing events arise in the world, you will know exactly what is true and what is not. Serve with love. Loving service to those who have lost their way or who are wounded in spirit opens your heart to personal revelation. Spend more time, much more time, in places where the Spirit is present. That means more time with friends who are seeking to have the Spirit with them. Spend more time on your knees in prayer, more time in the scriptures, more time in family history work, more time in the temple. I promise you that as you, as you consistently give the Lord a generous portion of your time, he will multiply the remainder. My dear brothers and sisters, you have as much access to the mind and will of the Lord for your own life as we apostles do for his church. So President Nelson at this time was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. But let me read that again. That's awesome. You have as much access to the mind and will of the Lord for your own life as we apostles do for his church. Just as the Lord requires us to seek and ponder, fast and pray, and study and wrestle with difficult questions, he requires you to do the same as you seek answers to your own questions. You can learn to hear the voice of the Lord through the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. As helpful as Google, Twitter, and Facebook may seem, they simply do not provide answers to your most important questions. In his last recommendation here, he says this, My fourth recommendation, follow the prophets. Prophets see ahead. They see the harrowing dangers the adversary has placed or will yet place in our path. Prophets also foresee the grand possibilities and privileges awaiting those who listen with the intent to obey. I know this is true. I have experienced it for myself over and over again. The Lord has promised us that he will never allow the prophet to lead us astray. President Harold B. Lee declared, You may not like what comes from the authority of the church. It may contradict your political views. It may contradict your social views. It may interfere with some of your social life. But if you listen to these things, as if from the mouth of the Lord himself, with patience and faith, the promise is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. You may not always understand every declaration of a living prophet, but when you know a prophet is a prophet, you can approach the Lord in humility and faith and ask for your own witness about whatever his prophet has proclaimed. My beloved brothers and sisters, you were born to be true millennials. You are a chosen generation, foreordained by God to do a remarkable work, to help prepare the people of this world 
for the second coming of the Lord. All right, so maybe you're saying, well, that is, that's to the millennials, and I am part of Gen Z, right? Generation Z, I think that's what they call this younger generation, those who are uh, in their teens, maybe early 20s. I was present at a devotional for the youth of the church in, in June of 2018. Um, it was President Russell M. Nelson and Sister Wendy Nelson. And so I want to talk about, again, just the words of a prophet again to this younger generation. This is titled Hope of Israel. And I'm sorry, I'm reading a lot of the words of President Nelson, but he is telling you exactly who you are. And so I'm going to use his words instead of my own. I think it's more effective. This is a prophet of God speaking to you, each of you. So listen to what he said to you. Just think of the excitement and urgency of it all. Every prophet commencing with Adam has seen our day. And every prophet has talked about our day. When Israel would be gathered and the world would be prepared for the second coming of the Savior. Think of it. All of the people who have ever lived on planet Earth. We are the ones who get to participate in this final great gathering event. How exciting is that? Our Heavenly Father has reserved many of his most noble spirits. Perhaps, I might say his finest team for this final phase. Those noble spirits, those finest players, those heroes are you. I testify that the gathering is now and it is real. He's referring to the gathering of Israel. My dear extraordinary youth, you were sent to earth at this precise time, the most crucial time in the history of the world to help gather Israel. There is nothing happening on this earth right now that is more important than that. There is nothing of greater consequence. Absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. So my question to you is, are you willing to enlist in the youth battalion of the Lord to help gather Israel? And now I invite you to prepare yourself by doing five more things. Five things that will change you and help you change the world. First, disengage from a constant reliance on social media in order to decrease its worldly influence upon you. My second invitation is to make a weekly sacrifice of time to the Lord. For three weeks in a row, let him know that you want to be part of his youth battalion more than you want anything else. For three weeks, give up something you like to do and use that time to help gather Israel. Anytime you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, Take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving their essential baptismal and temple ordinances. You are helping to gather Israel. It is as simple as that. So if you're asking yourself what the gathering of Israel means or how to do it, that's how he's defining it. So I'm going to read that little part again. Anytime you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, that means either living or dead, take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving their essential baptismal and temple ordinances you are helping to gather Israel. Okay, continuing on. My third invitation is for you to do a thorough life assessment with the Lord and perhaps with your parents and your bishop to ensure that your feet are firmly planted on the covenant path. If you have wandered off or if there are some things that you need to let go of to help your mind and heart be more pure, today is the perfect time to change. My fourth invitation is for you to pray daily that all of God's children might receive the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I are living to see and will continue to see Israel gathered with great power, and you can be part of the power behind the gathering. My fifth invitation is for you to stand out, to be different from the world. 
You and I know that you are to be a light to the world. Therefore, the Lord needs you to look like, sound like, act like, and dress like a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, you are living in the world, but you have very different standards from the world to help you avoid the stain of the world. With the Holy Ghost as your companion, you can see right through the celebrity culture that has smitten our society. You can be smarter than previous generations have ever been. And if you are sometimes called weird, wear that distinction as a badge of honor and be happy that your light is shining brightly in this ever-darkening world. My beloved younger brothers and sisters, you are among the best the Lord has ever sent to this world. You have the capacity to be smarter and wiser and have more impact on the world than any previous generation. As I conclude, I invite you to stand with the youth from all around the world and experience the thrill of being a member of the Lord's Youth Battalion in Zion's army by singing our closing hymn, Hope of Israel, because this hymn is all about you. From the depths of my soul, I testify that this is the work of Almighty God. He lives. Jesus is the Christ. This is his church, restored to accomplish its divine destiny, including the promised gathering of Israel. You are the hope of Israel, children of the promised day. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the end of President Nelson's words. I was there and I remember him uh, inviting us to stand and in that conference center filled with about 22,000 youth and some of their leaders, we all stood and, and other congregations throughout the world in smaller groups stood and sang Hope of Israel. And as I was there and as I sang those words, the Spirit just burned and I was on fire with the Spirit and received a witness that the youth of our day are the hope of Israel, that the Lord has reserved you and has a work for you to do. And it was a sacred experience for me to be in that congregation for that talk. So I hope those words from a living prophet are helpful to you to point out who you are and who a prophet of God believes that you are. Some of the best stories in literature and movies center around what we might call a reluctant hero, right? It's, it's Frodo Baggins, right? From Lord of the Rings. He's a reluctant hero. Frodo wasn't looking to be a hero. He was a young, small hobbit, right? He wasn't special or well-known, but he was willing to do what needed to be done and sacrifice himself for the good of others. And he basically saved Middle Earth, right? We already talked about Luke Skywalker. He's another reluctant hero. All Luke really wanted to do was go to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. That was, that was my Luke impression. I hope it was, hope it was good. When Obi-Wan Kenobi invited him to, if you remember, they see this projection from R2-D2 of Princess Leia asking for help. And Obi-Wan Kenobi invites Luke to go to Alderaan to help Princess Leia and invites him to learn about the Force. And Luke says that he can't get involved. That he has work to do on his uncle's farm. He wishes he could do more, but he, but he just can't. But when it came right down to it, he was willing to stand up to evil and sacrifice himself for the good of others and and save a lot of people. So anyway, those are just a couple of my favorite examples of, of a reluctant hero. So some of you might feel like you can't get involved in the gathering of Israel and building up Zion in preparation for the Savior's return. You're busy, right? I mean, your Xbox is not going to play itself, right? The, the truth is that 
once you really know who you are and what the Lord needs you to do, you know that you must get involved. What was it that President Nelson said? Maybe his words can help us prioritize what's going on in our lives. Here's a little piece of President Nelson's address again. There is nothing happening on this earth right now that is more important than the gathering of Israel. There is nothing of greater consequence, absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. I have an invitation to you. It's the same invitation that President Nelson gave. So I invite you right now, today, when you hear this, that sometime soon after you find a quiet place to kneel down and talk to your Heavenly Father. And do it out loud if you can. Ask him how he feels about you. And then ask him if you have a mission to accomplish in these last days. Ask him to reveal to you what that mission is. And ask him how you can get started. You might have to be patient as you receive answers to this prayer. Um, those answers might not come immediately. But Heavenly Father knows you and he knows when and how to give you revelation. So it might not be in the way or, or in the time that you have in mind, but it will come as you are diligent and as you listen with spiritual ears. Okay? You may not be confident in your abilities or you might believe that your sins have disqualified you to serve. Well, you would be wrong in that case. You can be much more than you are now with Jesus Christ working alongside you. He can easily heal you from your sins and make you clean, no matter what you've done or how many times you've done it. He can do that. So don't let that hold you back. That is a message from the adversary to believe that you are too far gone or that you are too sinful to be useful to the Lord. Do not believe that lie. The Savior is more than powerful enough to cleanse you of your sin. You repent and repent now and you will be clean and you'll be worthy and the Lord can work through you. I want to share something that's personal with you. If you're one who may be not confident or may be discouraged, I've been trying to serve the Savior and, and trying to help bring about his purposes, but I get discouraged sometimes. I want to read you this excerpt from my journal. This is from January of 2020. It says, Several days ago, I was thinking about how tired I am of living in a dark, fallen, and increasingly evil world. I was conversing with the Lord about it and asking him if it was about time for Zion to rise and for this earth to be cleansed, basically for the Savior to come and for this to be over. I told him that I was weary and just wanted to go to a place of safety and light with my family and loved ones. I suppose I was looking for some sympathy, but what I heard from him was unexpected. The impression I received was, in essence, this message. We counseled together before you came here, and I asked you to I asked you to be with me in the most intense heat of the battle. You agreed. Now that the war is about to reach its climax and you are needed the most, you want to pack up and go home? I got that impression and I was like, um, no. <laughs> no. We talk about being humbled. I finally found... A courage and kind of responded to the Lord, no, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pack up and go home. I'm, I told him I'm yours and I'm in this war until it's over. And I'm sorry that I forgot. I forgot for a minute. But that communication from the Lord gave me courage to continue and to understand a little bit more about my personal mission on this earth. And you have one. And this is a critical time in the history of this earth. 
And the Lord is doing a great, great work. And he wants you to be part of it. I testify to you that Jesus Christ is real. He really was crucified. He really was resurrected. And he really does lead his Latter-day Church. He knows you. He knows your strengths and your potential. And he wants your help. You were trained and prepared for this before you came to earth. You were born for this time. And you can help him bring about his purposes and help gather scattered Israel and prepare the earth to receive her king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And I leave this with you in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.